0: Joining me today on this week's episode of Chill is Tom Antos, he's worked on Hollywood movies, music videos, he's made lots of his own short films, and he currently has a very popular YouTube channel where you can learn all about filmmaking.
1: There wasn't much to do you know there wasn't really like much on television we had like two tv channels and both of them were government controlled and stuff so i didn't even get to see like that many movies like when we saw a movie like if something was allowed to be played in, in poland it was uh, which was very rare uh they, they were very selective right so i think I wasn't exposed to a lot of things and then i remember i came i immigrated my family to canada I, I saw a, a poster for The Lion King, which I, I had no idea what it was, but it was in a music store. It was like, a, you know, like a, where they were selling the, the, the CDs back in the day and, and tapes. And I saw it and I was like, well, that's like a cool thing. What is the music about a lion? I had no idea. Got the tape, listened to it, loved the music. And then afterwards, I found out, oh, wait a minute, there's actually a movie called The Lion King. And that's what it's from. So I, you know, made a mission to kind of put away money and I went, got the ticket went to the theater and I... Remember, I was at first very disappointed because I was like, what the hell is this? It's a cartoon, right? And I, I had no idea. I thought it was going to be like a movie movie. So I go and there, I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like looking at everybody. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, is this, is this the movie? A cartoon? And he, again, in Poland, I didn't really get to see too many cartoons. So they had like some horrible Russian cartoons like... Again, communist propaganda that I that they made us watch, but that was it. So I, I wasn't really exposed to it. But I kinda sat through it and I remember by the end of the Lion King I came out of their change. Like that was my moment, I think. I had like tears in my eyes, I think the story, you know, in that movie and the movie and everything. And I kind of almost forgot the fact that it was a mo- it was a whole film but it was all done you know through through to the animation through, through drawings so when i got home first thing i did was i remember i had that cover on my on my um the soundtrack that i bought of that the lion and i just started copying that drawing i was like inspired then afterwards i wasn't enough so i got like some coloring book for the lion king and like you know i was by this point I was 15 16 but i was just like i just simply did it because i i was so inspired by I guess by the movie, it kind of made a big effect on me. Um, And so I basically spent the next uh, few years as I was in high school and stuff, just doing drawings, finding out more about animation. I started doing like little flip book animations, like literally in, you know, like in the middle of class, you know, taking my, my notepad and stuff. Uh, and and doing that instead of listening to the teachers, and that's kind of what I did. And then I I graduated high school. I remember I graduated like a year early because I just really I'm not the type to like sit in the classroom. I hate, I guess that kind of learning environment. So I was just kinda like, okay, let me get let me get all the credits. Let me get it over with finished high school and I um, and I right away went applying for jobs to animation so that's kind of how it started for me and and I was lucky you could say or persistent and annoying enough where finally one of these companies in in, in Toronto Canada uh, gave me a a position it was a non-paying position but I remember I was like wow ecstatic and uh, by this point I guess I spent about two years kind of I guess teaching myself uh, animation. So I was doing things, that you know, drawings at home. Uh, I remember I ended up buying, uh, the, you know, like at this program. I forget now what it is. Actually, no, it was yeah, 3D Studio Max. I learned to do animation in that program. And then I kind of with that and with my drawings and with this little videotape I did, I managed to get a job. Like I said, not paying, but it was a job. And it happened to be uh, at the top, at the, at the time, it was one of the top uh, animation houses that for TV commercials, uh, and the guy who was like the main guy there. Uh, if you know anything about animation, you probably know his name. His, his name was Frank Falcon, and he was like the you know the main animator and the creative director. And he really like created like really invented I would say or reinvented animation for the for the commercials, uh, the kind of industry. And uh, so yeah, I got to kind of work with him. After a few months, I got a few more callbacks from other companies, and i like, kind of quitting that job, got another animation job. Long story short, within uh, the next, uh, I was almost like a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, I ended up working for several different companies, and in the, in the end, I worked on a feature film, animated feature film. Then after that, I switched to doing uh, visual effects, and first one was in a feature film called uh, *Bait* uh, with Jamie Fox. When he was like, I think that was like his first film that he was uh, starting in. Uh, and that, w- that was shot in Toronto. And that was kind of cool because I got to be on set. You know what I mean? I remember like one day I show up on set. It was d- downtown Toronto, Canada, and, and like the Yonge Street. Where anybody who lives there, they'll know. You know, it's I show up there and then like the whole streets closed off. They had this 18-wheeler on its side and they're like have these cranes and they're pulling it down the street. And it was just like the whole environment was cool. Like, you know um yeah like for me that's like i guess kind of what i fell in love with because different people i think like different aspects of filmmaking but that's really what it was for me and and it was um yeah it was just like a cool experience like not even for the like you know at the beginning you always get a little starstruck and all this stuff but that goes away very quickly because you're working with those people every day but what was really cool was just that the, you had this whole army of people, and their only mission was to make a little piece of stupid, you know, like an, a piece of entertainment, so people can sit, eat popcorn, and, and watch a movie. But everybody, you know, was like at the top of their, their their game, and and yeah, and so I loved that experience of being on set, but. Of course, very quickly, I realized, like, me, you know, just becoming a director is easier said said than done. So I had to still pay my bills. I had to somehow kind of get my way around. So I continued working. I I did basically uh, visual effects and animation for, like, the next few years, uh, some for television, some on feature films. Uh, and I kind of was experimenting on the side, like after work. I would, I would, you know, I remember I bought like some nicer cameras with the money that I was making at, the, at my you know, FX job. Uh, and I kind of just invested all my time, I would say, and money into uh, into becoming a director. And then finally, when I did decide to, to do it, uh, I think it was two thousand three, or no, was it like? Uh, well, I mean, no, two, two, in 2002, yeah, in 2002 is when I kind of decided, all right, I'm 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 going to be a director. And then by this point, I got my brother on board. My brother was um, working for different banks and insurance companies. And he was very good at what he did, but he hated it. He hated, hated the whole office, I guess, and setting too. So I told him, hey, you want to come join me, make zero money and, you know, make films? And he's like, sure, let's do it. So. So he joined me and we wrote a script. Uh, In 2002, we shot this. It was our first feature film that we kind of self produced. Uh, Shot it on 60 millimeter because at the time there was no digital cameras that were like really good, you know what I mean? Uh, So it was either video or film. So we shot it on film. um, And yeah, and then from then we just never looked back. We kept on like, we kind of, that's how I would say our production company started uh we did have we did do like a little test film i remember like a year before that in 2001 while i was still working and I, that was a good encouragement because we did it very quickly like on a weekend my brother was one of the actors uh and i remember that i that we put it and it was in the montreal world film festival had a premiere and actually got written about in newspapers so we were like wow oh, wow it's really cool then because of that we knew some people at the festivals our feature film that we shot got into montreal film festival uh, also had a nice premiere there, had like some actually celebrities and stuff come to our premiere, which was amazing. I was nervous as hell. But yeah, we got through that. Uh, and I just remember that like then, then it kind of also hit me, the whole business side of things. And that, that's where I would say that's where a lot of filmmakers, you know, because now I'll, I'll tell you, if you want to start as a filmmaker, it's much easier than when I was starting. And I'm saying this because now starting, like I said, it was just expensive. There wasn't a lot of, you know, like just getting the And stuff. There wasn't a lot of places where you could get affordable equipment. Uh, Also, knowledge. Like there wasn't many places where you could find knowledge. Like literally, I, you know, like I just took whatever I learned while I was on set doing visual effects, and kind of took that, and then the rest I kind of just experimented. And that's how I kind of learned to, to, to I guess make my own films uh whereas now and also it was just expensive you know like getting the film cameras film like the film stock and then developing it transfers all that stuff is super super expensive whereas now it's like so easy to just get it done uh and even easier to get it distributed because when i remember we finished that feature film uh which in the end ended up taking almost three years of our life because you know post-production and all that stuff uh, I just remember that like we finished, we we're like, oh, you know, all this time, all of our money we put into this. And we're, I remember by this point, I had to like sell my house that I like, you know, literally move, move, sell everything and move back to live in with my mom because i was like you know just making zero money and i and i was like okay we finished this film now let's go make the next one but then my brother's like well no first we need to like actually make some money from this film before <laughs> we need we, to eat like, yeah exactly and i and i remember that's when it hit me that it's not so easy easy because it was it was a nightmare and uh, and one big thing was uh, at that time the distribution i would say in, kind of the way things were movies were being distributed were was starting to change, but it was still kind of the more old school kind of way where it was not very favorable to indie filmmakers. So literally every deal we were getting we were getting screwed over. Like there was nothing nobody was gonna give you any money up front. All the distributors wanted all the rights, all the licenses, all the you know errors, emissions insurance, they wanted you to pay for everything. But at the end they're like we and you just give us the full rights to the film and we'll maybe give you some money. It was was a horrible deal and all of my friends like filmmaker friends they were all taking those deals because that was the only deal mm. uh, that really little you could get and i remember we kind of in the end kind of were holding out holding out but finally we sold the film and you know we made some money but it wasn't like a like a commercial success i, I was very i would say disappointed a little bit disillusioned with the whole filmmaking and industry as a whole and I just kind of wasn't sure if I wanted to continue. I guess, <laughs> so that's kind of how, yeah.
0: You were disillusioned with it from the um, business side of it.
1: I would say that after that, kind of what I just set my mind. Like once I kind of got over that, and I was like, okay, you know what? This is this is what I'm gonna do. I just gotta take care of the business side. That 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 was the biggest lesson because you know what? All the and that's why now when people ask me like. You know, what do I do to, you know, what I have to have or what piece of gear or what do I have to learn to be a successful filmmaker? I kind of just tell them it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, like especially now, it's so easy to get your hands on equipment to borrow it from people. Or there's so many people who have amazing cameras and they're just looking to get involved in projects that I don't even get stuck in like telling, giving people advice on all those little technical things. I just tell them that stuff you're going to figure out. And and it's even better if somebody doesn't tell you because you might even come up with like a really creative original approach to to making a film um, you know if nobody tells you but what what you do have to know is basically how to take care of your finances how to take, make this into an actual viable business mm-hmm. because if you can't, if you can't take care of that you're not gonna you know um, continue and and I'll tell you from all of my friends that I've known, uh, like I said, when I was in high school or later on, people that i met while I was working with them who were all aspiring you know film directors, producers, all that stuff. The ones that made it are the ones who took care of their business. The ones that you know didn 't make it are were not the ones that were not talented like there were people who were way more talented than me who are now kind of i would say stuck doing a job that they don 't like you know uh, and they gave up on their dream of making films because they didn't take care of the finances. Yeah. You you definitely don't want to get stuck in the, in that whole thing of buying gear because because that's really not what's gonna make the difference between you, like I said, succeeding or not. You can have all the gear in the world or not, and and like I said, you just gotta know how to. I guess you have to be. You know, I'm not. Getting, I'm not claiming i'm good in business but at least good enough to to get by and so you can continue
0: because you can easily fall into that trap like the amount of filmmakers i see especially in groups now saying what lens did you use to make this film or what camera did you use to make this film yeah and you feel like saying to them look you know you could give steven spielberg an iphone and he could make something magical with it
1: yeah like once you have I would say jobs lined up and you, you know, you can, you can pay for that expense and yeah. that's a different story, but I'm just saying like 20 people, I guess, you know, put the wagon, I guess, before the horse and where they just end up getting accumulating gear. And then they're like, all right, now I can start my, you know, I can start as a filmmaker or whatever, my production company. And, uh, and then they're like, you know, reality hits them. And then they're like, shit, you know, nobody wants to hire me to do, to do work. So that's kind of, I guess what I'm saying. And, uh, and you know, yeah you you have to uh, yeah you have to take care of the the finances you have to you know kind of come up with a good business uh for whatever it is whether you're doing wedding videos corporate videos or doing music videos or films or you know whatever it is that you want to do but you have to come up with a way of, of thing and also it it's the hard thing i would say is that the industry now i mean i would say every industry pretty much just business in general is changing now and sometimes it's incredibly fast because technology changes people, the way things are sold, the way things, you know, just the way companies operate. Then, because of that, um, so things change so drastically that what worked sometimes, you know, four or five years ago does no longer work. So, you kind of have to be always on your toes thinking of new ways of doing things and just, yeah, just continue and then kind of almost, I would say, not, not be afraid of just trying something completely new and different that you ha- never thought that you'd be doing. But as long as you think you can enjoy it just do it yeah. Uh, yeah technology definitely changes and and makes things easier so really i would say yeah right now it just you just want you you have to definitely enjoy it because i i would almost say like filmmaking um i mean it's not because you know at the end of the day you're not saving the world you're not doing you know you're not like a doctor saving somebody's life or something you're just creating piece of entertainment so at the end of the day filmmaking for me at least the way i look at it is it's not hard i mean it's uh it's, it's like this, you know, you get to play around, basically, if you're doing it for a living, you get to play around and have fun, basically, every day. Um, Where the thing is, is that, you know, for me, that's why I, I tell people is if you're going to do it, do it because you like it. Because if you want to do it for money, there's many other things you can do outside of filmmaking where you can make a shitload of money a lot quicker. Uh, You know, but there just might be really boring jobs. So if for you filmmaking is not exciting, you know, you're not really into it, then you might as well do those other boring jobs to, and, and, you know, and just at least make m- more money faster. Because filmmaking, yeah, sometimes, you know, like like you probably know too from experience is just you know sometimes you're sitting and sweating over a shot for hours or sometimes working on or, you know doing some effects for you know a month just to get, you know, a one minute long video done. Right. Uh, And so at the end of the day, if you're not going to love it, you're not going to sit there and do that. You're just going to be like, what's the quickest way I can do it. So I can collect my paycheck. Right. Whereas, you know, and because of that, the work is just not going to be as good. Whereas if you really enjoy it, you're going to be like, well, I don't really care if I have to stay up another night, you know, you're going to sit there and you're going to do it because you really enjoy it. Like at the end of the day, you know, like for me, because sometimes people ask me like, Oh, you know, uh, how is it working in you know, films, and is it is it hard and all that stuff? And yeah, I tell them, it's not hard. It's very time consuming, and it's you know it can just be sometimes yeah physically demanding if you're shooting in some, you know, bad weather or some really crazy locations. But but the end of the day, like it doesn't I honestly don't think of my work as work because it doesn't feel like work. I kind of almost get lost in it. And uh, like I said, I'll just sit there sometimes even editing or whatever. And then next thing I know, it's like, oh, man, the whole day just went went by. Um, And uh, and it's yeah. So it's almost like I said, it's like for me, at least for me, when I was working and doing the kind of jobs before that I didn't like. You know, those are the kind of jobs where you look up at the clock and you're like, "Oh man, I still got another hour to go," right? Whereas in filmmaking, it's the reverse. It's like, "Oh my God, we only have one hour, man! Let's get this," you know, and you're like rushing to try to get everything done. So, um, yeah, so it's 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 a great thing, I think, a great field to get into, but you you definitely wanna you want to make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons, right? And I would say just you got
0: to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. So you've worked on a number of sets and one thing I found always interesting is filmmaking, like from, in my opinion, is about fixing problems because whatever you plan, more often than not, it doesn't always go to plan. So what's the (laughs) biggest problem that you can remember that you had on set that at the time seemed like the biggest nightmare and you thought, how are we going to get through this? You know, we're screwed What are we going to do? And how did you overcome that problem?
1: Uh, I'll tell you this. In filmmaking, there are no problems. There's just a lack of solutions. And I always (laughs) say that because because at the end of the day, like I said, you're not saving the world. So if you really, like there is nothing you can do and you just got to call it a day, I mean, just you got to do that sometimes. Uh, And I've had, like I said, I've had some big problems. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. remember my first feature film, you know, that I uh, was directing and and produced it myself uh, with my brother, uh, we were shooting in like a few days into the, the you know, into production. We, uh, our camera basically died on us. the, the motor, it was like this old, I camera and the motor died. And like literally each time I would start it up, it would just eat up the film and it would just get stuck. And, You know we were like oh shit what do we do now and you know you got everybody waiting looking at you and and the actors and everybody and so i mean at the end of the day you know we tried different things we didn't you know we weren't an insured production we couldn't get a replacement camera very quickly so we literally had to take two days off and In that time, I end up like fixing some like some of the sets that we had. Uh, I remember we rehearsed some of the scenes with the actors like you always come up with ways to kind of deal with it. Uh, And so to me, like sometimes people like especially when I go to film festivals, people ask me like, oh, like tell us a horror story of the making of this film. I don't know. I kind of I don't know whether I just don't see them, those things as horror stories or if they just don't happen to me. But I never really had anything like really, really bad happen. I mean, I had I remember I was doing a. this was like a little YouTube film that I did, like when I was getting into YouTube. Uh, where one of the actors um, was just running and like no, none of us even noticed it. He was just running. He fell, got up, continued the shot, and then after we, you know I yelled cut he came to me and like his ribs were broken. So like little things like that happen. I say little because to me it was just like all right, let's take him to a hospital, right? Um, you know things like that. I mean I remember there was a film I I shot once. Uh, that was in, in Canada, of all places. Canada is like one of the safest places. But we're shooting in this motel. And all of a sudden, like we didn't know, but the, the motel, afterwards we realized why they gave us such a good deal on the locations. Because they had like all these crackheads living there. And it was just, you know, uh, I guess nobody wanted to stay in those rooms. So anyway, so in the middle of filming... Uh, we had like the top floor of that motel. This guy just runs in with a knife, enters into a set. Everybody's like looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's, you know, and he's basically just like mumbling and saying, I'm going to kill that. You know, I don't want to swear, but he's like, I'm going to kill that. okay and we're all like, okay. Like, just looking at him. like, And everybody's thinking, like, shit, where do I... You know, like, looking for the exit. And this guy's just looking at us, like, shaking. And then he runs out of the room. And then starts, like, kicking down some some out the door. And we were just like, all right, lock up the door, call the police. And, you know, <laughs> like, you get things like that that happen. And... Uh, but, I don't know, at the end of the day, nothing ever really bad happened or anything worthing. If you, I think if you just kind of approach it with a smile, don't yeah. take yourself too seriously. I think that's the key thing is people sometimes like the the few sets that I've worked on were like like if I'm you know like let's say if it's my set doesn't I'm the director or the producer. I usually try to just bring in like a fun atmosphere and kind of let people know that you know like hey we're trying our best. I'm not saying we're just like joking around. We're trying our best, but you know what? If something fails, something then don't worry about it. Just laugh it off. Let's try it again, right? Yeah. Uh, what I don't like is when I've worked on a few like of other people's sets where they get take they take themselves too seriously. I think and mm-hmm. they take their project too seriously. Where it's like, oh my freaking god, you know, like something happened and they they take it out on other people and they're yelling. It. That's when it just becomes very also unpleasant to work with. And, and usually that's the the last time I work with, with a person like that. Yeah. So that's why I would also say is like if you want to stick, you know, and, and then kind of be, I would say, persistent enough and, and work in filmmaking, you know, in the long run, you don't want to take yourself too seriously or the project that you're doing. I'm not saying you don't want to try your hardest. Obviously, you do. You try your hardest. but. If that's the best you can do at this moment, well, that that's the best you can do because otherwise you're going to really just I, – I think it just becomes unpleasant working. It becomes stressful and that stuff. And then those problems really be, can become problems. You know, you 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 take it off, off set and stuff. Whereas for me, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask other people who work with me, but <laughs> I don't think I've ever snapped, like ever got angry or ever like – you know, I might get upset about something. I'm like, shit, you know, this isn't, isn't working out or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. You know, like I had an actor quit on as number one film where he was just, I don't know, he was just on some <laughs> uh, on drugs or something. I have no idea. He kept on claiming that we were we gave him a completely different deal. And then mm-hmm. like we literally we were so like, it was kind of an indie production. So we were said kind of had to start filming and then in the middle of the first break, you know, the producer approached him with just to sign the release format and stuff. And and basically this guy said, no, he's not going to sign it until we give him this and this and this. And we're like, like, seriously. (laughs) So, you know, in the end, just what, you know, in that case, we just had to fire him and, uh, You know, with production went on, we changed whatever we had to change that day. We kept on filming. We found somebody else. But, you know, like things like that happen. But if you again, if you don't take it too, too seriously, I think you just you get over it and it doesn't seem like such a big deal at the end of the day
0: yeah when i was working on unsettled i wanted it to look like classic kind of films that you know i really love i didn't really want it to have a handheld look i liked dolly movements and stuff like that so we built well i end up buying because again i can't build anything so i end up bought this like the thing on ebay that was basically a skateboard but it worked fine that was kind of my film school that uh, making that film because as i say it was the first real attempt at doing something where you know i did pre-production and all this and Part of the pre-production was, you know, getting a good location, and then my uncle, kind enough, let me use his house. He had this, like, spur house attached to his house, but it looked nothing like what was drawn up. And, like, the in the film, the whole idea was, you know, the characters getting trapped in these rooms. Well, this house had no rooms. It was all open plan, so we had to fake <laughs> stuff so we could only shoot one way. And the other thing was, it was a horror movie, and... We started shooting at the end of May, which was when it started to go light in England. So it wasn't going dark till 10 o'clock at night. And I'm asking crew to get to the location at five o'clock. So now if I had to be earlier on in the year, like by seven o'clock, it's black. Come May, that's not the case. So your shooting time just shrinks.
1: Yeah, and that's actually one like very also important thing to, I would say to learn and kind of, you know, I think you can only learn it by experience it's time management. I mean, I remember I when I spoke to uh, Shane Herlbert, uh the, the DP on, um, I think it was in Terminator Salvation with uh, Christian Bale, where oh, yeah. there was a whole incident where he, he got yelled at, right? Yeah. And when I asked him, you know, about it, he didn't really want to talk too much about it, but he just told me he's, he's like the biggest lesson he's learned, and it took him a few feature films to 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 realize that. Was that uh, how he, the way he put it was, you know, when the train has left the station, you better be on that train. And literally what that just means is like, if the director if the actors, if everybody's ready and you're like one of the departments, you're holding up the whole production. Then the thing so you have to like you have to give yourself kind of a deadline and so if you are the director or the or you're running the whole production then you got to give yourself like like you said you have a shot list but you got to also uh divide the shot list into actual like let's say you know like the the schedule for that mm-hmm. day so if you know you're starting at 5 p.m you know by 6 p.m you got to have this shot done. by 7 p.m this shot and you got to have that and you got to stick to it and if you're not getting that shot you then you get the best version of that shot you can, and you move on, and you move on, because at the end of the day, it's important to get something better than you know than getting nothing, right? And and just getting one beautiful shot, but you don't you haven't gotten your film, uh, and and that's something also that I've uh, I guess you know takes to That's something that you learn kind of. I think just from experience, so it's gonna take a few projects. Uh, but but I think if you are conscious about it and you're gonna to stick to it, then you're just gonna also realize like sometimes you know it's gonna you know it's gonna get on your nerves because you know you're gonna to to be thinking like damn it if I only had like another half hour I can make this look epic. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole thing is you know if we all had unlimited time then yeah everything would look amazing. But that's how every film is done and especially those big big films where they really cannot push it. Like that's something I think a lot of indie or people who are just starting out don't realize it. A lot of, I think the misconception and maybe for me it was different because I, I started my filmmaking career working on big budget, like union sets. Uh, whereas a lot of people start on indie projects. And I just, you know, I, I now actually choose to work on a lot of indie projects and I love it because of the fact that it's so laid back. Uh, but then it's funny because I'll talk to people there who are like, oh, you know, I wish I could work on this big Hollywood film or one day I'll be. And I'm like, I don't know, it's not all that great. There's some good things about it. There's more money, their catering is better. But you know what? There's things where, trust me, if you're the director or producer on that film, you are going to be so much more stressed because I remember when we're shooting and, you know, sometimes like literally everything is set up. All it's going to take is like 30 seconds to just go and to get this last take and we're done. And nope, the union rep will step in and be like, guys, we're over at the time. You know, that's it. We're calling it a day. And you're like, no, we like, we got 30. It's like, no, you cannot. Otherwise you get fined and it's thousands or sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars is going to end up costing in fines. So you literally it would be 30 more seconds, but nope, you got to cut it. And then everybody cleans up, everybody, everything. And then you're like, shit you know we got to we got to try to make up for it next day and we got to you know like and or sometimes you just completely miss the shot and there's things like that because there's so much money on the line because there's you know the the different unions that are you know there to protect the the different people in different departments but also you know all everything all the rentals everything costs so much money and you go over that that time and and it has serious consequences financially. So that's when people get really thinking. And that's also where I would say where a lot of indie filmmakers fail. Like I've seen some great filmmakers who were amazing when they were doing like no budget projects. They've done some great, great stuff. And then the second they, they get put, you know, behind like some big project. Uh, they they just lose it like they they can't take the stress because they've got you know the the you know first ad telling them hey we got you know five minutes left we got to get the shot you know then the producer is like you know we're running behind schedule we just you know. Like every minute we're wasting, you know, $50,000. Like, what are you doing? And so they're thinking about all these things and it gets to them and they can't. And, and then the worst thing is if you're thinking about that, you then you're not being as creative. You're not thinking about, okay, is this a beautiful shot? Is this looking good or is this serving the story well? Um, and that those are the things that you kind of at the end of the day as a filmmaker, you know, like you, you want to be, you know, like you said, planned. And I think the better planned you are, then the less you have to kind of deal with that. Kind of stuff while you're there on set, but but even when you've planned everything perfectly, there's always unexpected things that happen, and so you gotta quickly react. You gotta know how to basically what decisions you what decisions you want to make at that moment, so that then you can concentrate and spend most of your time on the actual creative things. Uh, because yeah, I, I've seen, I, I know, like for me, even when I was like first starting like my little like sort of test projects uh, before I, I did my first kind of my own feature film. I remember that I – it was it was always, you know, different when I, uh, I could sit there quietly doing my planning, my storyboards, and I planned it all out, and I had it all in my head, and everything was, you know, worked and looked beautiful, and I, and I knew it was going to edit and cut well together. But then the reality hit me when I was on set, and, you know, you're running behind schedule, or you're trying to set up the shot, but it doesn't quite work out in reality how you thought, you know, how you storyboarded it, uh, and then you start – yeah, just kinda of working your way around, trying to see how else you can make the shot work. Uh and then next thing you know, it's like time is up and you're like, All right, well, whatever, just get this version. And then and then if you just keep on doing it too many times, then you end up settling down for these shots that kinda of look mediocre, right? So, you know, but like I said, you do have to. I mean you have to move on with the time. You cannot just sit there forever. So because of that, that's the hard thing. That that's where you you really also start realizing how you gotta time manage yourself and and really know where you want to spend the time, deciding and doing things, and where you just gotta zip through it and things. So, and again, that those are things that you will never learn, ev- and I mean, never ever learn by reading something or watching people doing things on YouTube or whatever, or 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 even even doing things in film school. Those are things you're only gonna learn on a real production. So,
0: what would you say is your favorite aspect of filmmaking? I think the 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 most is being on set. And then
1: the, there's another aspect where I don't really enjoy too much the post-production. Like if I have to sit there myself, if I got somebody editing for me, that's a different story. But uh, but what I do enjoy is in editing, especially like towards the end of editing, once you had the assembly cut and, you know, and all the rough cuts behind you, when you're kind of putting the final kind of touches and then even when the sound is still rough and there's no music when you play it and you kind of. Because that's when you're really kind of seeing, okay, all these months of planning and, you know, sometimes even writing the script and then shooting and all that stuff finally comes together on screen. You're like, okay, this is how it looks. All right, all right. You know, you're... You're seeing what you created. Uh, and because then, you know, after that, yeah, you're going to put the nice color grading. You're going to put, you know, the nice sound and all that stuff. And you know that's going to make it that much better. But I think that moment, like, just towards the end, before you, you're going to lock the edit, that's kind of what I like the most. Because you're, you're kind of really seeing it for the first time come together. It's, for me at least, yeah, the most exciting.
0: What type of genres do you
1: like to work? I kind of like all genres. I'm not too big into, like, really kind of like when things i don't mind horror like a good suspenseful film but i don't like stuff that's like very gory bloody that kind of thing like over over the top kind of violence and i don't usually enjoy it but then again there's some films i like of quentin tarantino so you know like his and i'll tell you i I don't like the the gory parts of his films i do love the dialogue and things that uh so i think it just comes down to the film i mean i'll watch right now cartoons i'll watch uh, like I said movies for kids but then I'll watch something very serious and some dramas and I love especially like historical movies like yeah it just really comes down I think on it comes down
0: to the story I don't understand it when people say I don't like sci-fi or I don't like Action. If it's a good story, the genre shouldn't matter. If the story is really good,
1: yeah. you're not even gonna think or even notice the genre, you're just gonna watch it because it's like it just pulls you in. A good story pulls you in and
0: I was proven wrong because uh, like I've totally contradicted myself now, but I've never been a fan of war movies. And then when Christopher Nolan announced he was doing a World War II movie, the first thing I thought was, ah, oh, I'm not gonna watch that. I don't really like World War II movies. And then I saw the trailer and then I thought, yep, I'm gonna go and see that. And And now I've seen Dunkirk three times and it's probably my favorite film of this year. I
1: almost rarely ever go to the the, the cinema. Like, it's just I just don't find the time. It's like either, you know, either I'm working on films and then when I have a bit of free time, I just want to like get away from everything that has anything to do with films. And I'll just like spend time with my family or something. So
0: you're not just a filmmaker, but you've done very well at the whole YouTube game. How did that come about for you? When did you decide? Okay, you want to make, you know, reviews. You want to help people.
1: Well, how I got on YouTube was kind of almost by accident. It was when YouTube was starting out, and uh, and I think it was 2005. I think I opened my account 2006, though, so purely just to show my work to some clients. So I was uploading like some rough cuts and things like that. I wasn't really, I guess, like, I'm not the first one to, like, embrace the latest technology, I'll, I'll mm. admit, so I wasn't the first one, you know, to really even see the potential in it. Had I seen I guess, then I would have been more active, but Um, So I was uploading my work for clients to see. And then just so happens that other people were seeing it. That wasn't, you know, that was back in the day when they didn't have like unlisted videos and stuff. (laughs) And uh, and people were leaving comments just kind of because they saw I guess some people saw like different versions I would upload. So they saw how the work progressed. And then they were like, oh, wow, you know, I like how you did this now and how you changed this. You know, how did you do this effect or how did you get the lighting and this shot like that? and I was like oh wow that's who the hell are these people yeah. so uh and then there was more and more questions so finally I I did a video on purpose to kind of uh just literally for the hell of it I I had like some time off and me I always find things to do I'm like I'm never bored so uh I did some video for youtube in 2009 i think it was like the first one which was kind of like a tutorial about like something about the cameras and uh And I just put it up there just for the hell of it. Um, And people saw it, really liked it, shared it. As for another one, I did another one. But I I would do them like once every month or every two months. Like I wasn't really, oh, hey, you know, this is something I want to do. Yeah, Uh, And then that kind of dragged on. Like 2010, I did a few. And then 2011, finally, uh, because, yeah, I think some – at the beginning of 2011 – YouTube sent me like an email saying, because that's when they were, you had to be approved for this whole like, uh, you know, uh, program. And they, they were like, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd like you to become a YouTube partner. You can monetize your videos. And I was like, well, oh, that's interesting. So I was like, sure. Uh, you know, got all excited. Then I remember the first paycheck came, which was literally like a dollar something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can do anything with it. But then my brother, um, my brother kind of looked at it because we had a production company and we were by this point doing music music videos and like different things but you know we would produce usually like at least one of our own films per year plus we do music videos and things like that uh and um and then my brother i guess also saw the potential and he's like hey maybe if we did more of these youtube videos we could, actually, I could be a part of the business and uh and so we kind of 2011 we we said okay let's try this and uh, and that's really where the channel grew. I mean, I literally went beginning of 2011. I had like 500 subscribers who were like somewhere on there, like just random people. Um, went, you know, like jumped up to within just a few months, it jumped to like 70,000, I think. It was, and it, and it was because we kind of said, okay, we're going to do this as a business. Um, and yeah, and so we, I guess, just did videos. We did some collaborations with some cool people who were like at that, at that point, at least they were like number one and number two, whatever. So, so we, we got, we got to do some cool projects. Um, but then I also kind of, like I said, after 2011, I kind of was like, eh, I, I don't really want to be just doing just these very, long like like short short form uh kind of youtube kind of projects i don't mind doing them but i also wanted to do like other things and and be able to take like two months off and work on a feature film and stuff so um so i kind of continued the channel but it was more to kind of i would say just put my name out there uh, my production company and stuff And I guess I kept it, kept active over the years, and it kind of grew and grew. And then my brother got more involved with it, and he was saying like, "Hey, if you want, I can make a website for you, and and all the stuff." So my brother kind of started the whole thing, and uh, and then eventually, uh, yeah, like we, you know, we were like, "Well, you know what? This is a part of our income. Let's let's continue this. Plus, people find it helpful." But we kind of realized that in order to I guess justify the expenses because it does, it is can get expensive, right? I mean, producing a YouTube video, sometimes people think it's like, eh, whatever, but just sometimes just getting the locations, getting the the gear for the shoot, getting all those things. I mean, it, it all adds up and just spending the time. Like if, you know, if I have a job where I can make, you know, a few thousand dollars in a week, like it's, it's, you know, and then I put take that week instead of doing that and i spend it working on a youtube video you kind of have to justify those expenses so um so what i end up doing is uh, yeah we kind of realized well one way of doing things is by um doing you know gear reviews and and having basically uh, associated links so whether it's amazon ebay or like uh, different camera stores and things like that and this way people you know they don't pay any, any more than they, they would otherwise. In fact, we can mention many times we find people deals and we find, uh, give them discounts and stuff uh, from the manufacturers. Plus we make a little bit of, you know, like one or 2% on each sale. So it, it all adds up. And so then that's when we were like, we can make this a viable business. Uh, and so that's when we kind of continue doing YouTube, but it's still not like the main thing really that I do. Uh, but it, it, it's a big part of it now. It's a much bigger than than what I was doing before. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's what's, what's gotten interesting is that I remember when I started doing like the gear reviews a few years back, it was, Uh, Part of me, I enjoyed it because yeah, uh, that's part of filmmaking that I really enjoy, like just playing around with the gears and you know, like I, maybe some filmmakers are like me or maybe are, they're not, but I do. I get excited about like some cool gadgets, some new lenses, things like that, right? So I I love that aspect. So then I thought, well, uh, maybe and you know I can have fun doing this and at the same time help people make a better purchase, right? Because not everybody can get their hands on some of this gear. I thought instead of them spending you know thousands of dollars on something and then regretting it, I thought why not do it so so that's why I started doing it but I wasn't really sure if the people were really enjoying it and I kind of now I kind of have mixed feelings sometimes I feel like eh, I'm kind of tired and I want to do more like any more reviews of any piece of gear, uh, because because I don't think people enjoy it. The other times I'm like, man, this cool new thing just came in. I gotta get get my hands on it, and and then you're like, uh, you're kind of fighting with it. So
0: great. So what's the future then for for Tom Antos apart from the next family member arriving imminently,
1: <laughs> uh, any minute? Yeah. Uh, well, after the baby, I think we're uh, the plan is we want to shoot another feature film with my brother, but kind of doing it. Um, kind of maybe even like we maybe we might even do like a crowd, crowdfunding kind of campaign because we want to get more people involved, like people who are following us online and that kind of thing. Cause like if, you know, there's a lot of projects I work on, but these are films that I I get hired to work on, so mm-hmm. I, they're not my productions. And a lot of times I get people like you know follow me on YouTube, on Facebook, all that stuff, and they're following me and they're asking me like, oh, can I just intern with you? or Can I work with you? And I'm like, well, no, like I can't because it's not my set. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just bring people randomly. Uh, And so I would really want to just do this kind of a bigger production, but, but we're... I can get people who are passionate filmmakers, but maybe who don't have all that experience, but they want to just kind of work with us and be actually on set and see how it is, you know, and experience, the, I guess, the the life of a filmmaker, you could say, and actually the whole process. So that's kind of what we're thinking of doing. Uh, how how many people we can get involved in that stuff, still don't know, and we're still working on a script, by the way. So, uh, But if it all goes well, maybe by, by the end of this year, uh, that, that can go into production. So that's like a, like a thing I would say really excites me but aside from that i just continue doing what i love which is you know like i'm right now fishing a youtube video i'm working on another short film i got two music videos i'm like working on too so you know just like doing all these things that just excite me and and to be honest i don't have any i don't have these aspirations i guess like some people have where oh i want to work in this big budget hollywood film because again for me it was different because i started my career kind of i was lucky enough to work on those big budget films Mm. first animated films and than live action film. So for me, I kind of experienced it. It was beautiful. It was great, you know, and there were, there were some unpleasant things about it too. But at the end of the day, I kind of realized that, uh, it's, I enjoy doing things that are kind of where I'm doing it for myself. And so I have a production company where, like I said, like literally, um, you know, my studios in in my house and, uh, most of the, the the things i can even do right here in my studio so i enjoy that i kind of work on my own terms and in between that i travel and explore the world and just you know experience life
0: where can people see your work then and find out more about you
1: just best things to go to my website at tom dot that's it
0: tom thanks so much for spending your time out with us today and you know good luck with the baby and uh, i wish you all the best thank you